again, everybody, and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. My name is Keith, and this is episode 15. We're going to talk about several things. We're going to talk about Ian, as well as uh, some other stuff going on in the world, and a few things that I'm going to do this weekend as far as my preps. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. And if you are a returning listener, I appreciate you stopping in again. So the title of the podcast is like the Common Sense Practical Prepper. I am a rookie prepper, I guess you could say. And I'm kind of taking everybody along with me on this prepping journey. I am sharing the good and the bad along with the mistakes that I've made. And every now and again, I get something right. So I will be very, very uh, uh, focused and uh, definitely going to highlight the, uh, the wins as well as the losses. Okay, uh, today is Saturday, October the 1st, 2022. And do you realize that September was Emergency Preparedness Month? And I know, every month is like, it's like National Popcorn Month. National People Who Live in Antarctica Month, and then there's every day. So, you know, yesterday was like, you know, National Coffee Day, National uh, Pancake Day, uh, National uh, you Throw a Pencil at Your Boss Day. There, you just can't keep up with this stuff. But I totally, I totally whiffed on September being preparedness, preparedness, preparedness month. Okay, anyway, I I don't think we missed anything. I don't think there was any, like, you know, sales or I don't think there were any coupons or anything that we we weren't able to uh, take advantage of. Uh, You know, I I went to Amazon and Target and Walmart, you know, and going into the brick and mortar, you know, I I didn't see any big banner saying, you know, don't forget your whatever in aisle five and take off an extra 5% because it's preparedness month, emergency prepping month. Okay, Hurricane Ian, oh my dear goodness. Keep the people, especially in Florida, keep those people in your thoughts. If you're a religious guy or gal, your prayers, absolute devastation. At one point, two and a half million people without power. Um, I forget what the loss of life is up to, 12, 15, and it's going to continue to climb saw some of the uh they had you know drone footage and and uh other people um you know helicopters news helicopters coast guard helicopters entire towns just gone and i get it that's what hurricanes do that's what severe storms do but it's just something about seeing like a 60 foot fishing vest vessel or vegetable the 60 foot fishing vegetable that should be here in the water and it's a half mile inland, you know, sitting on somebody's uh, car. Or a lot of people retire down in Florida. So you'll have, you know, your, your retirement homes, you know, your trailers, and, you know, and they fix them up, your double wide trailers, you know, retirement communities, everybody drives around with golf carts and stuff like that. It, just gone. You just see concrete slabs and you see what's left of streets. Absolutely incredible. 
absolutely incredible. So those folks are going to take a long time to get things back in order. And I read somewhere there were 25,000 linemen, electrical workers, that were on standby. And that happens a lot, especially on the East Coast. That happens a lot. Storms, you know, I'm in central Virginia. Uh, Dominion Power is the largest power company here in the state, you know, and they'll send linemen. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a ton of linemen uh, in Florida or on the way, as well as all over the United States, Northeast, everything like that. Everybody helps everybody else out. And, and I, I certainly appreciate it when we lose power here. And my goodness, the folks in Florida. I read a story where one guy, his what, million dollar DeLorean. Uh, McLaren, I'm sorry, million dollar McLaren was ruined by the, uh, by the hurricane, by the, the, the water, the storm surge. I'm not, how does that phone call go to Progressive or State Farm? Yeah, my name's Mike and I need to make a claim. Okay, Mike, what you got? Well, you know, that million dollar car I had a policy on, you know, I've had it for a few years. Yeah, Mike, what about, well, my McLaren is, it's in the ocean. It's in the Gulf of Mexico. I I live in Florida and uh, Ian just picked up my car, and it's somewhere in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, I don't know. I, I didn't read anymore because I was like, oh, my goodness. I don't know if the guy like lives somewhere else, like somewhere else in the world, somewhere else in the United States. Dude, you had like a week or 10 days notice. Could you have gotten down there? Could you have got, you know, hired a neighbor, a kid, some sort of car transport service? Hey, go down and get my car and bring it to me in New Jersey. Or, and I get it. Not a lot of trunk space, but if you're going to evacuate and you live there, get get the car and go. Oh my goodness, I cannot. Im- I can't imagine what the insurance on that thing is, and then to have that thing replaced. Gracious, can't even imagine that. Oof, that's a phone call. I would hate to make. Well, <laughs> never have to worry about me making a phone call, uh, filing a claim for my million dollar automobile because that is just not going to happen. So here in Central Virginia, um, the rain started uh, Friday afternoon, about 3 p.m., really windy the, the morning of, and uh, the rain really, really kicked off Friday afternoon, rained all night, very heavy at times, and stopped, uh, it's 1 p.m. local, stopped about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, sun has peaked out a few times uh, here at my house, uh, two inches of rain, and that is a lot of rain. Uh, you know, we had rain a few weeks ago, but, um, you know, it was dried out. So the rain, it was standing water, you know, in my backyard for a while, but the rain had somewhere to go. So not, not too worried about that. Um, I've been told, uh, yeah, I've got chickens. I raised chickens for their eggs. And uh, Thursday night when I got them from work, I wrapped uh, their coop in tarps uh, to keep the rain off of them and to keep the wind off of them. And... Um, when that straw and that hay, that's a part of their run, their covered run next to their coop, when that gets wet and moldy and dirty, it smells like a barnyard. Well, I mean, they're chickens, so I guess it should smell like a barnyard. I have a, like a mini farm out in my backyard, but you get the point. Every other week or so, I go out there and I got to muck it out, you know, and, and get it all out, put fresh straw down. The chickens absolutely love that. So I tried to, tried to delay that another, another few days until I can, uh, head to uh, tractor supply and pick up a couple more bales of straw to throw down there for them. But I came home from work, got them, I don't know, 435 last night, pouring down rain, raining sideways. Chickens have been uh, cooped up. Do I, do I have to say that? Cooped up in their coop and their run 
all day. I opened up the door. I had my raincoat on umbrella. Lost the umbrella. I don't know where that is. It's probably still in the air flying somewhere. The wind just ripped it right out of my hands. And the chickens ran out into the open yard that's, that's fenced in with chicken wire. And they were, again, another another farm reference, they were happier than pigs in poop. They ran around for hours, you know, and then <laughs> I'm just full of puns. Then, you, you know, the expression, angry, angrier than an old wet hen. I got them back into their, the covered run just to be like, gals, let's just, let's just chill. They were angry. I mean, they were soaked. And I'm like, you guys are going to catch a cold. I get chickens can catch colds, right? I'm like, get, just hang out. Just sit here and relax. No, wouldn't have it. Very upset. But I got up to early this morning, let them out, and they've been running around uh, ever since. So, yeah, seven chickens. Um, they're golden comets. They lay about an egg a day. Uh, had them for, they've been laying for about a year and a half. Got them when they were just about a month, well, April of 21. Got them in March. Had them about a month before they start laying. And very consistent, about, uh, about an egg a day. And so I have, uh, I have more eggs than I will, uh, that will, I will ever eat or give away, but I do, but I do freeze dry a lot of the eggs. So that is a good thing. Okay. The, I know, um, previous podcast, I spoke about the James river and, um, I guess the watershed up in, up in the mountains, uh, you know, a couple hours away up in, uh, the Appalachia, or the, I'm sorry, the Blue Ridge mountains, Shenandoah, um, a national park, that sort of thing. That's basically where the watershed is. So the water comes down from the mountains and it eventually makes its way down to the James river. And it usually takes a couple, three days for a heavy rain up in the mountains really to have effect. And I was really surprised. Um, Waynesboro, Stanton, Charlottesville, uh, got a lot of rain and I just looked at the forecast and they're not expecting the James river here in Richmond in central Virginia to rise really at all. I was really surprised. Uh, I looked at the radar and I'm like, man, they're getting dumped on and we're going to have a, you know, eight, 10, 12, 14 foot James river going through the middle of Richmond. But anyway, we got a flood wall and all that. Um, but anyway, the, they closed the flood wall at 22 feet. Flood stage is 12, and they closed the flood wall that basically surrounds the city um, at 22 feet. Had They have not had to close it for, uh, for any storms or anything like that. Um, Tropical storm Gaston came through, oh my gosh, 10, 12 years ago, and it basically just parked itself. Oh, my cat sneezed. Bless you. At, at 10, 12 years ago. And oh, 12 or 14 years ago, it parked itself over Richmond and uh, they actually had to leave the flood wall open. Uh, Richmond is very hilly in certain areas, uh, downtown Richmond. They actually had to leave the flood wall open. Bless you. Oh my goodness. Bless, bless you. They had to leave the flood wall open to, uh, to keep the city from flooding. It was really ironic. So the, the, the rain and the runoff went out through the flood wall into the, into the river. R- really weird. So. Um, so no risk, no risk to, uh, any flooding here in Richmond because of the James. So that's a good thing. My, my cats, do you have allergies? Do you need a Claritin? My goodness. Oh, a couple, a couple errors I want to correct from a few podcasts ago. So, uh, Nord Stream pipelines, uh, carrying methane, they're supposed to carry methane. Um, you know, I was under the assumption it carried oil, fuel oil, crude oil, some sort of oil but it didn't. It carries methane. Apparently it's still leaking. And uh, there's a lot of conspiracy theory out there about who did what and when. So I'll I'll let those people figure it out. But it's pretty significant um, regardless of who's responsible for damaging the uh, uh, 
the Nord Stream pipeline, it's 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 pretty significant. Um, that's the, obviously the main supplier, uh, Nord Stream one and two from Russia to Germany. So even if um, Russia wanted to turn that back on and the EU wanted to start paying for uh, the methane and other stuff that flows through there in rubles, um, it's shoot probably several weeks away. I don't know. I don't know how they patch that. I mean, it's you really can't go down and weld underwater with a uh, with a flammable gas coming out. I just that's that's way above my pay grade. But they have people to do that. And in error, I was talking about, uh, well, the prime minister, I think he said the prime minister of France, a conservative prime minister of France, a female, was elected probably three weeks ago. Actually, it's Italy. Um, so my bad on that. So so much for me being up on current events. Um, so let's get into today's topic. Um, I have not done my Costco run yet. I've been out drying out the chickens and letting them run around the yard eating some grass and... Uh, looking at a couple other websites um, and that sort of thing. So what I want to talk about today is communications. And it's something I kind of, I really haven't thought about much, but, you know, depending on the situation, depending on where you are, when, uh, you know, the poop hits the fan, there may be a need to communicate with whomever, neighbor down the street, family member across town, your partner or whomever at work, at school, when the power goes out, uh, your cell towers, if they're affected, um, you know, I don't know if they have battery backups. I don't know if they have generators hanging around, but, you know, it's it's it's, it's pretty complicated situation. With most cell towers, it's a, their, uh, their range, I guess, is pretty much about two miles, give or take, in its line of sight. So, as you go down the road talking on a cell phone, going down the highway, every few miles, you're bouncing from cell tower to cell tower. And there's a little bit of overlap, so you don't even realize that you're being switched from one tower to the next. Every once in a while, there's a couple spots on 95 here in Richmond. They're, they're literally dead spots, and they're it's probably three or 400 yards um, in length, I guess. And eh, probably about 50% of the time, if I'm talking on my cell phone and I hit the dead spot, it's going gonna, it's gonna to drop or the signal gets really, really weak. So anyway, I would think that after a certain period of time, the power uh, to these cell towers is going to fail. So there's the cell towers that are being powered. There's the, there's the I guess, the, the relays, the buildings and all the signals and cables and everything are going through. So there's a lot of steps. So I think at any, at any point, if, you know, one of the relay stations, and it's probably not even the right terminology, one of the relay stations... Um, that feeds power and all that good stuff to the tower. If that's out, then the tower is basically useless. So anyway, grid's down temporarily, and there's a need to communicate. What are you going to use? So I don't know, for the last three or four weeks, I've been on YouTube looking at different types of uh, radios. And uh, the, the two biggest ones that come to mind, or the most popular, is ham radio, and then something called GMRS that I really wasn't familiar with. I've heard of ham radios. I had a CB as a kid. And CB, that's a whole different thing. So in a nutshell, and I'm going to probably get this wrong, there's you know different, different frequencies, different bandwidths that ham operates on, that GMRS operates on, and then CB operates on. So you think of truck drivers and taxi cabs and stuff like that having um, CBs. And then you think of ham radios, 
you know, the stereotypical, you know, the guy, you know, in a, in a back room in an office in a shed, he's got out in his yard, you know, he's got dials and everything, you know, what he's trying, it's all staticky and he's trying to talk to people in Australia and, and, you know, and stuff like that. Um, that requires here in the United States, that requires a license and there's three steps, three different levels of license. Um, and the licensing agency is the FCC, the federal communications commission here in the United States. They license, you know, radio stations, TV stations, uh, not cable. They would not, uh, like not like Sirius satellite, uh, radio and stuff like that. They would not govern that because that's, um, that's over, that's over the internet, uh, as opposed to uh, over the air. Uh, even though if they're, you know, you're streaming, um, you know, serious radio or whatever on your, on your phone, on your laptop or whatever, um, that is not governed by the FCC. So anyway, there's three, there's license, there's three levels of licensing and you have to, you have to study, you have to take a test The sit. The tests are not easy. I took a couple like pre-tests for the ham license and, uh, it is, it is, uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. Uh, you need to do a lot of studying, you know, and then you get your call sign and all that cool stuff. And depending on your setup, there's so many different variables and maybe we'll go into that, you know, later on. But, um, I was looking at that. Then I stumbled upon GMRS. Now GMRS, you, you do need a license and I have applied for my license with the FCC and I'm just waiting for yes or no. And I'm not sure. I'm, I don't see why I wouldn't get it. And there's no, there's no test. And you just pay and you get your license. Boom. Hey, I can now broadcast. And I guess technically, if you don't have your license, you can't broadcast on ham or GMRS. I don't know. I don't think like the FCC is driving around and, you know, black suburbans with the windows tinted out, you know, trying to triangulate, you know, pirate radio people. But who knows? Anyway, I'm sure there's a movie going to be made about that if it already hasn't been made. Anyway. Um, yeah. So and, and with GMRS. You know, like when you go camping or you go on a trip, and I know I've been on several road trips, and you're you're kind of um, uh, caravanning with other people, you know, cars, trucks, campers, whatever. And instead of talking on the phone and doing, you know, group text and all that silly stuff, you have one of those little blister pack radios, you know, uh, Motorola Midland. You know, it's you know, in the little they're black cases, yellow cases, orange. You can get a Hello Kitty. Uh, radio. So basically it's like, a, you think like walkie talkie. So it, it's, it's a, a walkie talkie that you, um, that you use. That is basically GMRS, but obviously there's more expensive GR GMRS handhelds. There's mobiles. Those are what you put in your car. And then there is the base stations as well. So when you talk about base stations, you know, there's antennas sticking out your window and, you know, on your roof and, like little mini radio towers and stuff like that. You can spend a dollar, you can spend 10,000. It's like, it's like any other hobby. But anyway, so, so GMRS, um, depending on the situation, line of sight, that sort of thing, you have the ability of communicating with people. So I, I actually, I'm looking on Amazon at a couple of, uh, fairly inexpensive GMRS radios, watching some YouTube videos. Uh, when on Amazon, there's like GMRS radio for dummies. Of course, there's a, a dummy book for everything. And I'm really interested in that. So it's, you know, it, it's kind of one of these things I'm going to add on to my preps. It's kind of just a, a fun, cool thing. Now, will they ever be put to use? Absolutely have no idea. You know, will there be a situation where, uh, you know, cell phone service is down and I need to communicate with somebody, you know, hey, here's your radio or 
you know, keep your radio in your, uh, your, your EDC, your everyday carry bag that you have in your car, you know, with your water, uh, a couple days of supplies, uh, you know, there's, you can make a, um, everyday carry bag, um, you know, you can put everything in it or, or just the minimal in it. And that's a, that's a whole different, whole different podcast. I'll be doing a podcast about that as well. So I think it's kind of cool. Um, it, it's like anything else. Uh, the ones I were looking at were $25 and they go up to like $200, but the technology is all the same. So the two, when you press the $200 push to talk and you say, hello, people are going to hear you. When you take the, you know, the hello kitty one that you get at uh, Walmart, you know, to give your kids when they're running around the campground, when the, the kid keys up, he hits the push to talk, says, hello, it, it works. It does the same thing. And uh, just because you're talking on a hello kitty, uh, walkie talkie, does not mean that the fancy $200 GMRS, which is a very expensive walkie-talkie with a lot of extra features, they're able to talk to each other. So the $5 radio is talking to the $200 radio. I think it's kind of cool. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's kind of one of the things that I would rather have it than not. And because the expense really isn't that significant, you know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, you, you you know, you don't know how much you, how much you miss something until it's gone or boy, I really wish I had one of those hello kitty radios to talk to, I don't know, maybe a neighbor down the street. Maybe, you know, you guys are both prepping, you know, uh, you know, his specialty is, I don't know, freeze dried, whatever, uh, you know, and he has a large water tank, you know, very, uh, all sorts of different things. You know, he, he goes, Hey, I'll do the freeze dried Skittles. If you do the freeze dried, freeze dried Jolly Ranchers. Speaking of which, I have eight Mason jars full of freeze dried Skittles on my counter. And I'm looking into actually being able to sell those, uh, sell those out of my home. And I don't need, I don't think I need a crazy business license. I don't think the health department's going to, you know, come swooping in and, you know, doing all the stuff that health department people do uh, it's, it's called like a cottage a cottage business yeah and like candies and stuff like that you can actually sell it at your home you know farmers markets and stuff like that so interesting interesting so you know the radio may come in handy you know you can listen to weather forecast um, NOAA national ocean atmospheric administration uh, you know weather alerts that sort of thing so I, I think it's pretty cool so be looking at those and uh, I'll, I'll let you know how that uh, how that turns out so again, if, um, if anybody has any questions, you can always, um, give me uh, drop me an email at the practical prep podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. Drop me an email. If you have any questions, um, I'll be making the Costco run late today or tomorrow. Uh, hopefully the chickens will get dried out and, uh, and I'll get dried out as well go out and pick up a bunch of leaves and a bunch of uh, branches and stuff out of my yard. Of course, I'm going to have to mow tomorrow or the next day because all this rain, my front yard is going to look like an absolute jungle. when <laughs> It's all said and done. So anywho, again, um, you know, the folks down in Florida, uh, you know, that, that state, most of that state's absolutely devastated. Um, so, so keep them in your thoughts and prayers. And, you know, if you, if you are inclined, you know, to, uh, you know, provide a donation or something like that. Please be very, very careful. There's a lot of scammers out there. You know, click this link, donate to Hurricane Ian victims, and it's really going in my pocket, that sort of thing. I always tell folks, go to the Red Cross. And if you just give the Red Cross 
uh, a, a regular donation. They'll use it for whatever they need to, but you can specifically request that your $5, $10, whatever donation actually goes to Hurricane Ian relief. So definitely, definitely do that. So then you're like, you know that your money is going to the folks um, affected by uh, Hurricane Ian and it's not going to pay, you know, for, you know, some printer tone, printer paper, or I don't know, somebody's lunch or, or something like that. So, you know, I, I think, um, I, I think that's the best way to go as far as uh, making a donation to the Red Cross and just make sure it's specifically um, uh, funneled toward uh, Hurricane Ian. All right, folks, that's it for today. Thank you so much for stopping by. And as usual, be safe, take care of one another, and until next time.